Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Thank God for the power of praise and worship. It releases things in our life. If we praise more, we wouldn't have to pray as long and making requests sometimes. If you just praise more, you receive more. You praise more, you don't have to feel like you're begging. You know, you just receive, receive from Him. Because receive His presence, amen. Um, you cannot swim in ankle deep water. You can't swim in ankle deep water. You got to go deeper. And how many of us have heard someone say, or, or maybe we said ourselves, you know what? I just really want to go deeper in my relationship with God. I want to go deeper in experiencing God and knowing God. Uh, I, I, I want to go deeper in my faith. Well, what exactly does that mean anyway? We talk about shallow. Shallow, of course, means that just no depth. It's superficial, hit or miss. Only, we only care about the silly, the inconsequential things, nothing of any real significance or depth. Now, there are signs of shallowness all around us in this world. Uh, we're living in many ways, or many people are living a superficial life. The world today, particularly among young people, millennials, but I'd say it's not limited to them, involves older people also. There's, for many of them, there's no sense of what's real and what's fake. There's no real sense of what's important and what's trivial. It's hard to distinguish it seems for them. Life consists of Starbucks, social media, the latest movie, performer, or making money. Now, we've got so many today who are educated, but they're ignorant. And I, I love education. I believe in education. But you can have this so-called intelligence, these facts in your head and and. and and yet still be so ignorant concerning life and the ways of life and truth. And today we're seeing that all around us today. People are not equipped for the real world. Um, I read the other day that over 10% of college graduates thought that Judge Judy was on the Supreme Court. <laughs> People um, today, the entitlement... Mentality. Somebody pay off my bills. Oh, yeah, I did borrow the money, but somebody else pay off for me. Temporal mindset. I just need to get what I can while I can. Me first uh, mentality. Uh, people that are saying socialism is the answer, which it just boggles my mind to see so many people cry out for socialism and so many who are running for office this next time and running for president who are avowed socialists who are living with a push toward socialism, progressivism. It's sad to see that's happening in a nation so blessed with this freedom. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what, what happens when this, is, when this is what's practiced in these other countries, these nations. They're buying into lies and they're being propagated. America is suffering from shallowness, shallow in our understanding of, of 
what uh, the purpose for America is, shallow in understanding of what this nation is all about, shallow in their understanding of the Constitution, so shallow in many respects. And that's dangerous because if you don't have roots, then you can't last. If you don't know where you came from, then how are you going to know where you're going? Now, there's shallowness in the world today and in uh, our country, but there's also shallowness in the church today, unfortunately. There's shallowness in Christianity. Christianity is suffering from a lot of that today also. Interesting that last week I talked about saying no to status quo and the direction of the Lord this time was basically in this right here going deeper. And it's, a, and it's a challenge to you and me to step it up. It's a challenge to us to look carefully at where we are and ask ourselves, is this where we want to stay? And what are we going to do about it? The author Richard Foster said, superficiality is the curse of our age. Now, I heard someone say that there are five C's in shallow Christianity. In shallow Christianity, you're casual, not committed. Shallow Christianity is based on convenience, not on covenant. Shallow Christianity compromises instead of being consecrated. Shallow Christianity is carnal, not Christ-like. And there's danger in the shallows. Now, I'm going to step through this with you very quickly. I know it's a busy day, a lot of different things going on. I want to walk through this. I thought at first when looking at today and knowing that this is fun day <laughs> and uh, people's minds are on, you know, food and fun, fellowship and all that stuff, I thought, okay, Lord, just give me some uh, kind of lightweight message, okay? Let's keep it short and sweet on that day. We're just going to, you know, all be, let's just be happy. And this is a be happy message. It really is. But he wouldn't let me stay there. He said, no, there's no excuse to go shallow because I need to say something about going deeper. And so I try to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, I really do and hear him. And I think this is where we need to be today. So I'm going to point out very quickly, I'm going to move into an interesting scripture. But first of all, I just want to name seven signs of shallow Christian. Seven signs that you might be a shallow Christian. All right. Now, you may say when I read some of these, look at them, you're going to say, well, man, I'm, I'm kind of guilty of that, but I don't consider myself shallow. Well, understanding we're looking at these as not something you might occasionally do or fall into. This is kind of how your lifestyle is. It happen, happens uh, an ongoing basis in your life. But this, I think it's very revealing. So let's kind, of, let's kind of set up and just put a gauge up right now in our lives. Let's, let's kind of set a gauge and measure where we are in our depth and our walk with the Lord as opposed to some of the signs of being too shallow. Okay, are you ready? Number one, sign of a shallow Christian is you have a profession but no passion. A shallow Christian has a profession. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I know God. I go to church. But there's no real heart experience. No passion to worship. No passion to serve Him. No passion. It's just not a very personal thing to them. The second sign of a shallow Christian is the shallow Christian tends to compromise more. Compromise becomes more and more a part of their life, even as a professing believer. That's where that person doesn't, uh, starts to, to, it doesn't take sin quite so seriously anymore. You know, you start lightening up a little bit on that. Uh, 
begins to say, you know what? You know, I, I don't get to be together with folks in the church and worship and be there on Sunday. I know it's important, but I got other things going on, so I just go when I can, you know, hit or miss. One of the signs, one of the signs of compromising life is when you don't consider getting together to worship, particularly when we gather on Sundays, important enough. The third sign of shallow Christianity is when you are moved by feelings instead of faith. It's your emotions. How sad it is to see Christians that are cared about by their feelings, by their emotions. And I'm telling you what, there's a lot of emotions in this world. You're going to be affected by what people say, things are going on in your life. But God wants us to live not moved by our emotions, but by what? But by what? Faith. Fourth, shallow Christian is easily offended. This shallow Christian wears their feelings on their sleeves. The Bible says that whoever loves the word is not easily offended. So if you're easily offended, it means you don't love his word. I, I, I assume that's what it means. And so it shows a shallowness if we're always, you know, someone says something that rubs us the wrong way and, you know, somebody didn't speak to us or somebody mistreated me. Or, and, and they are offended. And shallow Christians walk around carrying offenses. A sign of a shallow Christian, number five, is they tend to be legalistic. They're more of a rule keeper. It's not so much about a relationship with the Lord, but, but this is how, it's, they're more religious. It's about information more than transformation. And number six, a shallow Christian is reluctant to share his or her faith. A shallow Christian is not one that you're going to see out there that, that when they're with people that they look for opportunities and they're willing to open up and share about their relationship with Christ and how other people can come to know him. So a shallow Christian is not very much concerned about well, I guess that's going too far. Maybe a shallow Christian is concerned about other people being saved, born again, delivered from hell, sin and hell, and have a home in heaven. It's not that we're not concerned if you're a shallow Christian. It's not that you're not concerned. It's just that you're, you're too shallow. You're reluctant. You're waiting on someone else to do it. So that is a sign of shallow Christianity. And finally, seven. Now, there could be many more. I just have seven. Seven signs of a shallow Christian. Number seven is they're filled with activities and not filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with activities but not filled with the Holy Spirit. So, today in talking about going deeper, it's Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people are out on the river today, so I want to talk about another river. So, go with me back to the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter uh, 47. We'll be there in just a moment. We're going to talk about a river. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, Ezekiel, uh, actually his name in Hebrew means God strengthens. He was a prophet and a priest during the 6th century B.C. He was taken from Jerusalem. He was taken captive into Babylon. And it was while he was being held captive that he had these visions that he wrote these things. Now, these visions, I think, have, and prophecies that he gives have direct reference to Israel. Oftentimes when you look at prophecies in the Bible, they have a direct reference and they have what you call an indirect reference. They have a specific reference and they have, they have a general reference and they have a specific reference. Well, the specific reference 
here was to Israel. That these words are given to you that many believe are talking about the millennial kingdom where Christ will be ruling here on earth. And this is a description of some of the, the, the things that's describing this millennial kingdom. Remember, they're in captivity at this point. So, so this is a prophecy about the days that are to come. That's, that's specific. That's direct. But there is a more general, indirect prophecy that comes from what is shared in Ezekiel 47. And that's to you and to me. That's to us. And we'll see what this can mean to us. So we're going to walk through this quickly today. This particular in, 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 uh, in Ezekiel chapter 47, uh, and he has some wild visions. I mean, there's some visions that are, uh, if you read through this book, this really you say, what in the world does this mean? But the vision that he, that he, that he sees that he gives us in, in Ezekiel chapter 47 uh, is centered on or focused on water. Now, you can't do without water. But this particular vision has to do with water, has to do with a river. Now, it will help you as you look at this, it will help you to realize that water here represents God's presence. It represents the Holy Spirit. The water of the Word, it represents the Word of God. So when we're talking about water, it's talking about God's presence. It's talking about being in His presence, about the level of, of your walk, your acquaintance, your relationship, the depth of your faith. So let's look at this in Ezekiel chapter 47, pick up with verses 1 through 6. I'm in the New Living Translation. And follow along with me, if you will, in this. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Now this is a vision that this prophet is having. And he sees, uh, that he sees at the entrance of the temple, he sees a stream of water that's flowing beneath the door, that's flowing out right by the altar. Now think about the significance of this, the meaning of this, what it represents to us. Where did he see the water coming from? He saw it coming from the temple. What did the temple represent? It represented God, the very presence of God, the very person, presence of God. So we could say what he sees coming here is life is the presence of God that's flowing from this place. And it comes under the door, through the doorway here. Now Jesus said, I am the door. No one you got to come through the door. And he's the door of, of life. He's the entrance. So this, this particular reference for us here is saying that the very source of life and the presence of God, the river of God, flows directly from him that we enter into that through Jesus Christ who offered himself as a sacrifice on the altar on the cross. So it's a beautiful picture of becoming a Christian, if you will, or the way to give your heart to the Lord and to begin to experience life. This is where life enters through the door. Life comes through the door. Jesus is the door. And so this is what we're seeing happen here. So door, life begins at the door. Jesus is the door. Verse 2. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for a thousand cubits, is what the New King James and other versions say. Uh, the, a cubit 
varies. It was generally considered to be the distance from the elbow to the tip of the finger. So you can see, depending on the length of a person's arm, that that could vary somewhat. The New Living Translation gives the number 1,750 feet. I think that's pretty accurate. It says, the water was, uh, he says, the varied, that the distance he led me was 1,750 feet. Then he led me across. He led me across the water. The water was up to my ankles. He measured another 750 feet and led me across again. This time it was up to my knees. After 1,750 feet more, he was, uh, it was, water was up to my waist or loins as the King James Version says. Verse 5, then he measured another 750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the riverbank. Look at four stages with me. It's pretty simple to see here. That he leads him across the water and it's only ankle deep. And what does that represent? The water being ankle deep. That's, that's, a, that's a very immature baby Christian, if you will. That's when a person is lacking spiritual understanding. Very limited on their experience with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Now, there, there's, there's nothing wrong. Everyone has to start somewhere. Jesus said you must be born again. The new birth is something. If you've not experienced a new birth, then you're lost. <laughs> if you haven't experienced a new birth, then you don't know Jesus, right? I mean, that's just true. So there has to be a starting point. And, and we all need that. All too often we have people that kind of uh, participate in Christian things and they attend church and everything. And it's kind of like they assume they're Christians by osmosis because they just kind of blend it in. And, and, and what happens is sometimes they miss the fact that everyone must have that personal decision, that personal commitment to invite Jesus Christ in their life, to surrender their lives because he's the door. He's the only way to life. He's the only way to forgiveness. He's the only way to heaven. That's just the truth. That's part of the gospel. And he's made a way for us. But everyone has to start. Everyone in this building, if you're, going to, if you're going to know the Lord, if you're going to follow him, if you're going to have his promises fulfilled in your life, if you're going to have a home in heaven, it starts there. Ankle deep. Nothing wrong with being a baby. The problem comes when you stay a baby. There's nothing wrong with a four-year-old being a kindergarten student. But there's something a little weird about a 14-year-old being a kindergarten student. They don't fit the chair anymore. And all too, often, all too often we have people in their spiritual life just seem to be stuck in a place of spiritual infancy. They don't go any further. And when you're ankle deep, you easily choose to get in or out, toss to and fro, according to Ephesians chapter 4, afraid to leave the comfort zone to go any deeper. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? That you may grow. We need a steady diet of the word and discipling. It's so tragic that some people never go any further. They're still waiting in the shallows. As Christians, how tragic is that? That's why some churches are experiencing people that are spoiled and fussing and acting up because it's filled with babies. People that should have grown up spiritually, but they're still spiritually immature. 
That's not me. That's not you. Everybody say, that's not me. Amen. Unless that's you. And if that's you, then right today, you need to do something about it. All right. Number two, took me across the water again, and it was knee deep. You wade in a little bit deeper, begin to feel the currents a little bit, begin to uh, be more aware of the Holy Spirit in your life, working in your life. It's the picture of the Christian moving a little bit deeper in their relationship with the Lord. Of prayer, knees, knees, knee deep. Prayer is becoming more of a significant part of their life. This refers to the prayer life of the believer. He says he takes me across again. I go waist deep, waist deep. Now it's a little harder to navigate here at this depth. And I think when you get to this place, there are points in your life that you'll get to where, oh, how can I say this? That the Holy Spirit will begin to touch certain areas of your life and reveal certain things in your life that need to grow or that need to go or that need to change. This is a little uncomfortable. The currents are moving now. Some people never get really deep enough to let God really move in their lives and change them. But when you get to this depth, God, you're beginning to listen. You're beginning to realize, oh, Lord, I've been a Christian for a while. Yeah, but Lord, you want me to start doing that? Or you want to change this about my attitude? Or you, you, you want to change the, the way I, I speak, things that you want to change these things? And, and unfortunately, some people get this place and, and God begins to reveal things to them where they need to make some adjustments, some change of life. You know what happens? Sometimes it, it, it bothers them so much that they just back off and go back to where it's a little shallower and never let God do those things in their life. But waist deep is, is it, the, the New Testament in, in uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in the, the King James Version uses the term loins and that speaks of strength and power this is when you, you're developing a stronger relationship in the Lord. And uh, the loins has to do, of course, with reproductive power. So this is when, I think, as a Christian, you begin to be a greater witness and influence in other people's in your life. In your life, You've got a greater insight into the Word now. You've got more assurance that you, you know, it's amazing how many people have been Christians for a while and they still don't have assurance of their salvation. They still, now I'm not saying a doubt won't fly across from time to time, but there's some Christians that are still plagued with the idea, you know, I, I, hope, I'm, I hope I'm a Christian. I hope, it's, I hope I'm ready. You don't have to live there. You don't have to be there. You can know, not because of any good works, not because you deserve it, but you can know whether you're saved or not. I mean, assurance of salvation is promised through the Word. And the Holy Spirit will bear witness to your spirit that surely you are a child of God. Don't live out there, uh, don't live out there in a place to where you are, uh, are uncertain about your real relationship with the Lord. Surrender to Him. To say, Lord, I just want that assurance. I, I, I've made the decision. I've received Christ as my Savior. I surrender my life to Him. I want to live for Him. Come in, forgive me where I've made mistakes. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to change areas of my life that need to change. And Lord, I thank You that now because Your Word says so, I'm saved. Because I've done what Your Word says, I'm saved, I'm forgiven. And I testify right now that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. It don't, don't stay in a place of doubt. Then He says He took me across again, little a little bit further down, took me across again. He said, the water was over my head. It was deep enough to swim in. 
This is, I think, a place where you get in your life, in your life as a believer to where you've just come to a place of experiencing God's grace, God's fullness, of resting in His grace and in faith, and you say, you know, Lord, I'm not struggling anymore in this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you carry me. I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let God. This is a place where you're led by the Holy Spirit continually. This is where you're immersed in such a way that for you to live is Christ. What a beautiful picture this is of the Spirit-filled life. This is where God wants every one of us to be. This is where God wants every one of us to be. Where you can swim. Where it's deep enough to swim. You don't have, it says it's too deep to walk in. That means you're not struggling through this Christianity just by making your own efforts and your own works. You've decided just, I'm just going to rest in the Lord. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to know His Word. I'm going to follow His Word. And God's going to carry me along. And I'm going to experience that life because life comes from the river. You know, this kind of leads me to a, uh, a New Testament passage. Let me walk through this with you very carefully. Uh, in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. And uh, what's going on here is uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. There was, there's what's referred to as the big three Jewish feasts or festivals. There's the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, there are others... But the big three are the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Those are the big three. In this reference in John chapter 7, they're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this feast was a time of remembering God's provision for the people of Israel. It was, and it involved the use of water in a significant way. What would happen uh, during these days when they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles? Here's what would happen. And on, on the last and the greatest day, the priest, the priest would draw water from the Pool of Siloam with a golden pitcher and would carry it back to the temple and pour it in to a silver bowl next to the altar while all the musicians played and the choir sang. It must have been an amazing sight to see. You see, it's one of the major feasts. So, so Jewish people, the Jews had come from countries all around. They were gathered in Jerusalem by the thousands. And all that could view and get close enough to see, they saw this was what was happening on the Feast of Tabernacles as the water was brought to the temple. John chapter 7, verse 37 says, now on the last day and the most important day of the feast. When did I say the priest did that? On the last day, the most important day. This is when the priest went and got the water and brought it back. Here's what happens. On the last day, Jesus stood and called out with a loud voice. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, and, and relies on me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Not just a bowl or a pitcher. You see, you're seeing the symbol of it. You're seeing the representation of it. But he's saying, here it is. The life of God is the river. The presence of God is the river. He says, from the innermost being will flow continually rivers of living water. Verse 39. It's interesting here. He says, but Jesus was talking about or was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is the river, the flowing water 
the river, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. He says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, whom those who believe in him as Savior were not were to receive afterward. The Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified or raised to place of honor. See, that didn't happen the day of Pentecost. It didn't happen until the day of Pentecost. And people now can know Jesus is their Savior, just like it says here. They, Jesus said, they know me as Savior, but they have not received the Holy Spirit in His fullness. You know, that I think is scripturally accurate. I think that, I think that a relationship with Jesus, giving your heart to Him, being forgiven, becoming a Christian, must precede being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you cannot receive the fullest Holy Spirit until you first of all receive Christ as your Savior. Now, it may happen immediately. When you're saved, become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. Any man who does not have the Spirit of Christ is none of his. Every believer has the Spirit of Christ, has the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in him. But not every believer has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Not every believer has been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You, care, you study carefully through the book of Acts, you'll see that the pattern is that people repent, come to Jesus as Savior, and then are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's still the same pattern today. And yet some people haven't experienced that yet. They know that there must be more, but they haven't experienced that. And this is absolutely a life-transforming thing. So Jesus here, Ezekiel talks about supernatural river, river living waters. Jesus talks about the water of life. He says it's fully satisfying. And the river represents God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The question we've got to ask before we go any further, before we bring things to a conclusion, the question we have to ask is, where am I in the river? How deep am I? What stage am I in? Because that's basically up to me and you. We choose. Keeping your relationship with the Lord fresh and vital over a long haul is not automatic. It requires decision. It requires efforts. Now, it's important for us to experience the life and vitality of the river, of the presence of God, of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And to walk in this deep place with the Lord. Now, by deep, I don't mean just being mystical or weird. Do you know that um, when Jesus taught, he taught deep truths. Deep that they're still being unlocked in people's minds as God does reveals things. But he taught in a simple enough way so that the average person could understand Jesus was more focused on the faith life than he was on the show life. Oftentimes, he avoided the crowds. Oftentimes, when there was a miracle, he said, no, don't go tell him, but don't tell anybody. And now we want to parade people around and have circus environment to say, they're healed, they're healed, they're healed. But it's interesting to watch Jesus that his focus wasn't on the show. His focus was on faith, on the life. That's where our focus should be today, even though we should see evidences and show of his power in our life. It's just that in the same way, I don't think, uh, I think that the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life is a far better indicator of your maturity and your depth than the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. I, I think every one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the New Testament are for today. They are real, they're operative, they work, and they are important. 
Every one of them are important. And God has given them to us, made them available to us. You read about that most of all in 1 Corinthians, but in several books in the New Testament. The gifts are extremely important. They are vital. They work in our lives. And God wants to open up more and more and more to allowing him to work in our lives, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the gifts that he puts in your life. But the indicator of real strength and faith and depth is in your walk with the Lord, is in your, the fruit of your life, how you live, more than it is the gifts that are shown. They're both important. But all too often we're concentrating on these mystical things, on these gifts, on these supernatural things that are all so wonderful and need to be in our lives more. And we forget that it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit that reveals so much about where we are in our relationship with the Lord. I want to close out with this, that we need to ask ourselves a question. What is, what's the river doing in my life right now? Where am I right now? Uh, in verse 7 of chapter 47, Ezekiel, he says, when I returned, he'd been these different depths. He says, when I returned, I was surprised. I saw many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then verses 9 through 12 talks about the abundance of living things as water flows through it. It comes to life, the fruit on the trees, the fish. And it tells us that when we learn to walk in this depth in our relationship with the Lord, that the river brings healing. It speaks of healing being in the leaves of the trees. That, that the deeper we walk, the more we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, then the more we're going to see the manifestation of healing in and around our lives. He brings healing into us. The river brings restoration. Verse 8, the last part says, the waters of the stream will even make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. It'll restore things that have died in your life that you've lost. The river will bring, and I'm talking about the presence, the power of God when I say river. The river brings increase in our life, abundance. Verse uh, 9, the last part says, life will flourish wherever this water flows. Leaves of trees will never turn brown, always full of trees, always full of fruit. A new crop, get this, it says there will be a new crop every month. Now we think once or twice a year is pretty good for harvest. He says, listen, that tells me that when we trust the Holy Spirit, when we allow Him to fully work in our lives and we trust the God's presence to work in our midst rather than trying to work something up or doing ourselves, when we trust Him and when we have faith to believe that He's working in situations, things multiply quickly. Things change quickly. And things that might have taken years could come to taking only days or even moments. You're looking for some change, looking for some things to happen in your life. Quit trying to make those things happen. Quit trying to struggle with it and get into that place with the Lord and release it to Him and then just follow obedience to Him and watch Him begin to work. Things will happen. Things will happen much faster. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. So why do people stay in the shallows anyway? Why don't we stay ankle deep? I think primarily because we're afraid. People stay in a shallow place in their walk with the Lord because of fear. Afraid of the unknown, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay right here. I got my feet wet. <laughs> okay. I'm born again. I have fire insurance. You know, my sins forget. I believe that. But um, this is a person that gets to a place and, and, and they just uncomfortable going any further. Uh, the fear of the unknown, fear of losing control, afraid of changes that 
may need to be made in their lives, that they may need to make in their lives, and maybe afraid of where God's going to take them, what He's going to lead them to do. Hey, wherever God's going to take you is going to be good. In fact, it's going to be better. In fact, it's going to be best. Whatever God wants to do in your life, it's going to be for your good. Always, always, always. And yet we're so afraid, we get set in place, we're so afraid to just say, okay, God, okay, God, do this work in my life. People don't, don't grow up. They don't get out of the shallows because they're locked in by fear. They don't want anything to change. That, in other words, secondly, they, they, they're in a comfort zone. They're satisfied. Another reason people stay in the shallow because they're satisfied with where they are. Or we could say they may not realize that there's more to that. There's more to living for the Lord than where they are. It's sad that some people where they are believe that this is it. Well, this is it. They ain't getting no better than this. Sad. People get locked in situations at work, in their career, and day after day after day after day after day, and it's, they settle into the fact, well, this is it. This is my life. This is my life. I, I just, I, I, this is my life. Don't get in that place in following the Lord in your, in your spiritual relationship. Don't get in a place where you say, okay, well, I'm in a routine now or a rut. I'm in a place, and, and um, this is just the way it is. No, no. There's so much more for you and me. There's so much more that God has that he wants to do in our lives. We must realize it though. So first of all this, if you're going to step out deeper, you need to be dissatisfied where you are. Now, now we're supposed to be satisfied in the Lord and content in the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in where we are spiritually. Sometimes people just reside there long enough to where it's okay. This way I don't have to get in too deep. This way things don't have to change too much. This way I can still go ahead and justify what I'm doing. Christians or particularly shallow Christians are great justifiers. They justify anything they do. They justify and oftentimes justify it using scripture. I mean, we're really good at it because we all know that when we do something, that we, we get to a place where we can defend it. Well, you know, I know that that's what God says, and I know that thing, but, <laughs> but by the way, but my family's doing this, but this is going on, but, I, I, you know, justification can be a, false justification can be a dangerous thing. I, I'm just saying you and I need to recognize when we're doing that instead of just facing up, this is the way it is, this needs to be. So, so we don't go deeper because we just get, we don't have that holy, I want you to have a holy dissatisfaction this morning. I want you and me, I want us to be in a place where we say, Lord, I, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with where I am in my prayer life. I'm not satisfied where I am in, in understanding the word. I'm not satisfied with where I am in experiencing your presence, your power. I'm not satisfied with where I am in experiencing and walking in your gifts. I'm not satisfied with where I am in allowing you to, to minister through me to people. I'm not satisfied. I'm grateful for where I am, but I'm not satisfied staying here. The second thing is that, that you need to recognize that there is more and do something about it. Recognize there is more and just do something about it. Hey, Lord, I come to you and I've been ankle deep. It's progression. Notice the Christian life is a progression. Faith is a progression. You don't just go from ankle deep to swimming. Just, you know, it's this process. Everybody understands this process. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, 
over your head, completely consumed, big enough to swim in. Let's don't stay back here. Thank you. Let's progress from where you are right now. But I'm just telling you, go deeper. I'm just telling you that God has some amazing things he wants to do in us. But we need to choose to go deeper. And if you make that commitment to him, you'll begin experiencing, I think, that awareness of the river of God, of his presence, of a new surge of life inside of you. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to sound preachery. I say that because I really believe that's the truth for me and it's for you. I want to pray over you before we go today. Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, here we are. We're going to we're going to move on to other things here in just a moment, but we can't miss this opportunity. We don't want to miss this opportunity to say, Lord, I thank you for revealing some things about me, about my life. You know, God's not, he's not interested in pointing the finger at you and condemning you and putting you down. That's not, that's not how God convicts. God shows us things. He draws us. But if you feel condemned right now, that's not from God. That's from the enemy who wants to push you away from a real, real, real understanding of a relationship with Jesus. But if you're sensing inside of you this morning, now wait, as pastor talked about some of these indicators of shallowness, I see those things in many ways become a pattern in my life. Lord, I don't want that. I don't want to stay ankle deep. I want to go all the way to a place to where I'm walking in that power and in that presence and that place of rest. That's where I want to live, Lord. That's where I want to live. But I realize that I have to choose that and I must move in that direction. And today, Lord, I choose to do that. But first of all, saying I'm not satisfied really where I am in my walk with the Lord. I know there's more. I know there's more. And I'm just saying, Lord, today that I choose more. I choose more. I choose more life. I choose more of your presence. I choose to be in that place today. We're going to go in about two or three minutes. But while we just stay in prayer for just a moment, I would be remiss if I didn't give an opportunity for someone, for anyone today, who just wants to acknowledge Acknowledge before the Lord, Lord, I want more. I want more of you. I want more. I want to go deeper. I really want to go deeper today. And I start by acknowledging that today and surrendering my life brand new before you and asking you, Holy Spirit, to show me. Show me. Open up the way for me. I trust in that. I'm going to wait a moment. If you want to acknowledge that this morning, you say, Lord, I'm, I'm here today. I've, maybe you've never come forward for anything. Maybe you've come forward several times. You say, well, I've already been forward to commit my life to the Lord. What do I need to do it again? I'm just saying, if you have something going inside of you that says, Lord, 
I want my life to be stronger. I want my, I want my life to be deeper. I want to be in a, 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 a diff, different place in my life spiritually than where I am right now. Then if it is walking up front, just fill this area up here in the front and take just another moment or two. I'll, we pray, Lord, thank you. Thank you today for moving by your Holy Spirit. God, speak to us. Help us to be open and honest, to allow you to do what you want to do inside of us. We don't want to hold back. We don't want to hold back in any way. Lord, we don't want to hold back. We don't want to stay in the place where we are. We want to go on. We want more. We want more. We want more. If I were to walk up to you right now and ask you a simple question and I called you by name and I said, brother or sister, I'd just like to ask you a question this morning. Would you like to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord? Would you like to experience more of the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Would you like God to do these things that you know he wants to do in life? Would you really like for him to do that? I wonder if there's anyone that would say no. I'm just saying that anyone who says yes needs to be right up here at the front so I can pray over you, so we can pray before we go. Yes, Lord, we want to obey you. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful to us. You're so faithful. If I were to ask you, do you want to go deeper with the Lord? What would you say? Would you answer that this morning by just edging up toward the front here as far as you can get? And just say, I want to be part, I want to be counted as part of the crowd that says, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I thank you, Lord, for where I am in my faith. I thank you for what you've done. But I just know there's more. And I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. If that's where you are, then reach out this way, get as close as you can. And then with your hands lifted up right now, your arms lifted up to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we celebrate what you've done in our lives. We're so grateful for your grace, for the new birth, for salvation. Oh God, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for being the door that opens the way to life, Jesus. But Lord, we don't want to go just ankle deep. We want to go, we want to go until we're covered. We want to go until, Lord, we're consumed by you. We want to go, Lord, till you can work in our lives in a mighty and effective way. Lord, I thank you for these precious folks in this building today. I thank you for people's hearts that are open to you. And we just simply say, Lord, right now, today, I lift my arms to you and I say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I don't want to hold back anymore. I don't want to draw back anymore. I want to go forward. And I make that step of faith today. Holy Spirit, show me in my heart the direction I need to take, things that I need to do. But most of all, Lord, I pray for the outpouring, 
the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to sweep over this place and to move mightily in the lives of people in this congregation, Lord, that it will overflow out of our lives and impact lives around us, Lord. Where people, when they see us, they say, I see the life of God in that person. I see the life of God. I see the life. I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when I'm around them. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate that this morning. We celebrate, Lord, that we, we receive, we receive, we receive now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining with us today for a time of worship and the Word. We're excited to be able to connect with, with people each week around this country and around the world. And we appreciate each and every one of you. You can find out more about Covenant Life Ministries by going to our website, covenantlifeministries.net. We pray that you will be blessed as you continue to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our prayer is that God's very best will be yours.